You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan, and it is a nice, warm Thursday in the middle of the winter. Hey, Grump, I was just walking around Midtown. Uh, you know, stores have all their Christmas stuff up already. It, you know, I'm resisting the urge to put the Christmas music on until next Friday. It uh, doesn't quite feel like the holiday season, but... Uh, it feels like the dead of winter around here if you're a uh, New York Giant football fan. It, that's for sure. It feels like it's March, so. It, it feels like purgatory to me. I mean, between the horrible Giants and my horrible Gators, there's really not much to really live for at this point. I mean, usually March is the time that we're worried about the draft, and that's where <laughs> every every tweet that's directed at me in direct message is about the draft. So it feels like March for me. Um and it's, it's warm as hell today. In any case, the Giants are – it's actually only week 11. There's still uh, eight more uh, weeks of yeah. winter. Uh, <laughs> Tommy DeVito, yeah, he saw, he saw his shadow on – and everybody else's too. Um, yeah, so the Giants are heading to D.C. this weekend to visit the Commanders uh, where Sam Howell and Ron Rivera will host the Giants. Um Weird, weird week. And I I think, you know, all right, but before we get into this, I am drinking autodidact beer again. Again, this is a small business autodidact, a great brewery in North Jersey. If you're in the Morris County area, please check them out. They're fairly new. They've only been around for a couple of months. I'm drinking a collaboration that they did with Brick City. It's absolutely excellent. Be sure to check out Autodidact and all of your small local breweries, these small businesses, and tell a friend about the Just Giants podcast. We are also a small business in some ways. Um, Not in the revenue way, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, one of my big things, my frustration from the Cowboys game was like, I, and I guess like more sober mind as more time has passed since the game... Um, I assume that that fan reaction is just because it's Giants-Cowboys and that, you know, we got embarrassed twice by the Cowboys in the same season. We haven't beaten them in a while. Um, I have to assume that the overreaction's from that because the product on the field was just as bad as every other game. Uh, It's just as bad as you would have expected. No better, no worse. Um, And I, I just couldn't understand, but... We did have a whole week of news, and the – I don't know, man. The, yeah, look, look, before we get into the news, I i think it's, it's because – some of it is because of the Cowboys. I mean if – let's say the best the best team in the league, let's say it was Kansas City, and they came in and they throttled us like this. It would be like, well, it was Kansas City. They're the best team in the league. I think Giant fan will refuse to ever give Dallas the credit that they deserve. I mean – if Dallas is not the best team in the NFC, they are probably one of the three best teams in the NFC. And it it's very frustrating, and it's an ego hit when your biggest rivals are significantly better than you. And, you know, the easiest way to measure yourself against your rivals is what is your win-loss record against them and what are the margins of wins against those. And the Eagles and the Giants have been kicking our ass routinely for a very long time now. And, you know... And I said it on Monday's show, I think, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig all you want with someone like Tommy DeVito. You can humanize him and, you know, say he's a Jersey boy and really want him to do well and think he's Rocky. But the fact is he's a quarterback who should not be playing in the NFL right now. And we have a lot of players on this team that are not NFL starters going up against great teams. So as much as you're a fan and much as you're you want to believe in how many Rocky movies and Karate Kid movies you've seen the end of the day, talent wins, and we don't have the talent on the field right now as a team like Dallas, and sometimes it's a cold shower you have to take. So it's it, interesting choice of words on your part. I, I know what you're saying, putting lipstick on the pig of Tommy DeVito uh, to make him sound like he is you know, something else. Um, 
I would say that bringing in a veteran, like everybody's like, well, there's nobody out there we can get. And I say everybody, I mean casual Giants fans are like, there's nobody out there they can get. There's nobody they could sign. That's putting lipstick on a pig. This season is dead. To, to bring in somebody else, and, I, and there's a difference between bringing in a Matt Barkley that's a veteran presence versus bringing in a guy that's going to perform better than Tommy DeVito. It's not. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is probably going to become available now. Mm-hmm. They did, there's a report out today mm-hmm. that. He's looking to part ways with the Titans. So someone like that, for example. It's silly. I mean, he's going to mm-hmm. command far more money than we should invest. I mean, it's just, and what's the point? I mean, if you're making the decision. That is putting lipstick on a pig. At the end of the day, when the season's over, it will still be a pig season. So it doesn't worse. matter if we close out with some other and, quarterback that we don't have plans for the future helping us win games that don't matter. And probably worse is you screwed your chance out of getting a chance to reset at the quarterback position. Or if you decide for some reason, Daniel Jones is still your guy getting the best player in the draft. That's not a quarterback. So you're doing that to win a couple of meaningless games in in November, December. And again, nobody's bigger giant fans than Grump and I, nobody's more frustrated leaving the Meadowlands than Grump and I, nobody stays up at night longer upset about losses than Grump and I, but we also, you know, this is a multi-year fan operation that we are we're dealing with, and I don't need to get my little easy jollies when I could, you know, have long-term relationship down the down the line. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is that like it's not about like winning meaningless games. It's the fact that you're bringing in a person to help you win meaningless games. There's a a huge difference between you know you just you won with what you had in a meaningless game versus like actively trying to accumulate pieces to help you win meaningless games it's just silly Uh, i would be very surprised if anything like that happens but outside of just injuries and personnel issues i do think that the pressure is heating up on mike kafka i think in general there is a there is a general question as to the future of mike kafka with Brian Dable having to take over a lot of the offensive stuff. And it's important to know that Brian Dable didn't do that until after Daniel Jones was knocked out and Tyron Taylor was starting to play. That was right before the Buffalo game, if I remember correctly. Um, And, you know, we saw, like, improvement. But I also think – so there's a number of things at play here. Uh, I think that early on in the season, when Mike Kafka – when the – sorry, when the offense was not performing very well, I think there was a general – feeling among Giants fans that Mike Kafka was just going to accept a position at Northwestern following their scandal and you know they had to fire their head coach he's an alumni you know he's had all this great success early on in his career as a coach uh and then that was probably what it was going to be Northwestern has gone five and five with their interim head coach David Braun and they have already announced that they will be retaining him as head coach next year so that job is off the table now. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Well, we're yes. They, they're, they're taking they say a, that. It hasn't happened or anything. That That's true. And just because you take the interim, you know, that doesn't mean you may not go big game hunting later. That's you know, also true. If, yeah. we, we've seen that. I mean, that'd be an incredible dick move to do to a guy. But, you know, if Oklahoma still- comes calling or uh, UCLA comes calling, uh, did Chip Kelly no. get fired yet? He has not been fired yet, and uh, he's close. So, uh, as a side, fuck you, Chip Kelly. That's what you get for leaving us on the doorstep. So, he can go fuck himself. I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I figured. I hold grudges forever. Um, and also, uh, of note, Buffalo filed, f- filed, fired. That they they filed his pink slip. They fired Ken Dorsey, their offensive coordinator. Um, they are in. They are having some trouble, man. I don't, and this isn't going to be like a Bills podcast or whatever, but I I happen to think that while I don't like Ken Dorsey, I also think Josh Allen is kind of playing more hurt than we know. Yeah, let's back up a little bit because we've we've got a long road down here now. And I want to back up to the just all the the conversation about Mike Kafka to begin with. Kind of talking about how Giant fans don't want to accept that the Cowboys are better. I think Giant fans and the media. And maybe to some extent, even ownership and the coaching staff doesn't want to accept a simple fact that this team is two and whatever. This offense can't get yardage because 
not because of a bad offensive scheme, not because they're poorly coached. They're fucking hurt. They, look who's playing. I, I don't we, – we, Andrew Thomas was gone basically after week one. Daniel Jones was gone not too far after. You know, our backup quarterback is gone. We've had, you know, Evan Neal has been either ineffective or out. John Michael Smith's our, our rookie center, out. Darren Waller, out. Guys that, you know, we counted on last year, receivers, are really doing next to nothing. Saquon uh, Barkley. Saquon Barkley, the guy who we spent all offseason worrying about, are you going to franchise him or not? Are you going to sign him long-term or not? Is either been out or just meh. Not all his fault, but the fact is he's meh. Why is how is that all of a sudden the first thing you think of that you need to make wholesale changes? Coaching. That to me is the last thing that on my mind. It's you know Mike Kafka didn't forget how to coach. Has not coached a bad job. It's just you know there are some podcasters and some shows. And I'm not going to name any names on this one who think the number one reason why this team is stuck in the mud is because of coaching. I think that's it's asinine. Now, if Mike Kafka decides that, you know, he wants to, you know, take a head coaching job in college somewhere or a lateral move somewhere, that's on him. If the fact that we're going to lose someone who is a, a, a young offensive mind that, you know, just nine months ago, we were all very excited and we we're afraid we're going to lose to become a head coach somewhere. That's short sighted. That's not keeping your ego in check and not just accepting the fact that. This team is a shell of the roster that we thought it was going to be in the offseason. A roster in the offseason that we all said was still rebuilding. So I just think this whole thing is silly and foolish. If this is coming, this is coming from the mayors. This is just another example of why the ownership keeps getting in the way of this team from successfully rebuilding. If this is coming from Brian Dable, it's a conversation we need to have about him. Well, here's here's where I think you're 100% right. I do think that um, to look at this year and say that the offensive struggles were due to coaching is short-sighted. Uh, but I don't think that it's been helped by coaching. And here's, here's my issue with Mike Kafka is um, I think that Mike Kafka is very smart. I think that he is learning. Uh, I think that he this, it was, he was very young to take the OC position – but I was comfortable with it with him working under Brian Dable. Um, and we did see some struggles with him last year. Not enough where we heard anything about taking plays away from him or anything like that. That's not you know, the kind of thing I'm talking about. But the main thing that I noticed was like it didn't feel like we made any offensive adjustments to our game plan until halftime. And so something that clearly wasn't working – uh, would be run into the ground until the third quarter, and then all of a sudden all the obvious things that you could scream uh, were being done, and it would work, and it was magic. And, you know, in year one, I chalked that up to young coach who is literally only a year older than me doing one of the hardest jobs that there is. Uh, that there is. I mean, this is, this is a high-profile position in a multi-billion-dollar industry. It is very – you are in the spotlight and it's not easy because you are among the 32 elites. Um, in this second year, I understand that he's operating with a more difficult situation but I'm still seeing the same things. Like I am not seeing adjustments until the third quarter and this is a time where you need to be a little bit more flexible. And I understand that if this is like the learning curve from year one to year two for him You know, shot through the roof. I am willing to accept that this is a tough thing. You know, knowing early on that there was probably a decent chance that he would leave for Northwestern told me that his career was gone. And and, and since he came here, we were always worried that his career here would be very short. Uh, I, I I was. I, I think I, most Giants fans I, were. I feel that about almost every coordinator, to be very honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you know, a coordinator's shelf life is not much – longer or as a, as a running backs is in the NFL. I mean, if you are young and you're decent, you are probably going to be a candidate for a head coaching job. You know, if you, that's just, that's just the way, that's the nature of the job. Well, there's that. And also if you've been around the block, you get fired more easily. Yeah. I mean, you're also at the mercy of the head coach you have above you too. 
Right. You know, there's very the days of uh, you know who is who is the guy that was the, the uh, defense coordinator for the Steelers for so many millions of years. Oh, D- Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau. Those days are ancient history. They don't happen yeah. anymore. Um, so I can't I can't worry about oh you know this guy's not going to be here for three years or four years. It's like if you're young and you're successful, you're going to you're going to move up. Um, so. But again, there's really nothing. I, I see your point about late adjustments, but that to me isn't, you know, when you hire a young coach, you are expecting a longer runway for success. And Agreed. this team, and this team wasn't the timeline. Okay, we were saying, you know, this team was not made last year, this year, next year, year after to be Super Bowl contenders, to be deep in the playoff contenders. So. You are expecting a coach to grow into the role. You want, you know, those mistakes to happen in year one and in year two, not in year six when either a Daniel Jones is at the peak of his career. You know, we have offensive weapons around a Daniel Jones or if, let's say, you know, quarterback of the future comes in this year and is ready to go. So if you are an organization that is that hypercritical of your of your coordinators where you don't see growth fast enough when a situation when they really aren't going to be ready to go and moving on you will never have stability in this organization and you know the facts are with this this team we have not had stability at all for anything in a long time since Coughlin has left and it shows why we've been you know garbage for so long yeah, and, and I actually agree with all that. I, I wouldn't even argue against it. I would say that when he came in, I thought that Mike Kafka was either going to bail quickly with success or grow slowly with the team. You know, and it seems like after year one, I was legitimately afraid that a team would hire him as a head coach. And in my opinion, that would have been a mistake, right? Like one year as an OC after two years of being a quarterback coach and being 36 years old, it's just – it's too young to be a head coach in my opinion. Not enough experience. Well, you haven't shown he, me anything. Here's my thought is like if you are so quick to think you he should be a, a coordinator after last year, why are those same people completely out on him this year? No, no, when- no, 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 no. Hang on. Let me finish though. I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, would, I was afraid that a team would pull the trigger on it doesn't mean that I think that it was a smart idea. We no, see no, it all no, the no. time, but that's what I I'm saying. I was, I, I, but what I'm saying is, I was, I was accepting of the idea that he was going to grow with this team, but after the success of last year, I thought that a team would make a trigger happy decision and hire him as a head coach anyway. I mean, we see weird shit all the time with that. Then, you know, we heard the news about Northwestern. So this is all going over the course of just like 11 months now between. The end of last season and then at the very beginning of the college season, we had the Northwestern news in, I want to say, August. Um, it felt kind of like as time went on, it was going to be a foregone conclusion that he was going to go there. And I, so my brain had already separated myself from Mike Kafka as being the future a little bit. Like I was getting more comfortable with the idea that he was just going to have to be gone. Um, I thought he was going to go to the NFL, if not Northwestern. I was, I was equally convinced he was going to be just gone, gone. Right, that's what I'm saying. Northwestern. I thought I thought he'd have like one of these Arizona type jobs, or you know, just somewhere where you know they just recycle young coaches, young coaches, young coaches. He'd be on that treadmill somewhere. I was just assuming he was going somewhere after this year. So now, do you think he's going anywhere? Like, do you think any team is going crazy to interview him? Do you think he's at the top of any lists? I think if any head, any front office. For the reasons they wanted Mike Kafka, and they were not just knee-jerk reactions, means they have enough thought into the process. They know that what happened this year is not his fault, and they would still go after him. So let's say, for example, I don't know, the Raiders last year. We're interested in maybe bringing him in as a head coach. And they were like, yeah, they decided for whatever reason they didn't. And now everything this year, and he's available. I think the same reasons they liked him then apply now. Nothing, nothing that's happened this year should dim that. And I think that's that's kind of how I'm going with that. So I, I, I think the people that liked him before still like him. The ones that weren't as interested aren't all of a sudden adding to the pe- the people that are interested in him. 
One of the things that I think is interesting is the Bills firing Ken Dorsey. Um, that rumor auto obviously automatically started getting made with a connection directly to Brian Dable. I believe was he the quarterbacks coach in Buffalo? I believe he was. Yeah, so you have a connection directly with him. He was a quarterbacks coach under the offensive coordinator. Typically, those are guys that are considered like the next in line. I've seen that a lot. Um, you know, Brian Dable brought Bobby Johnson with him, uh, so you know, that that connection makes sense. I don't like Ken Dorsey at all. Oh. First of all, you know, I'm not I don't have to state the obvious why I don't like him, but he failed with Josh Allen as his quarterback. Now you alluded to maybe Josh Allen's not hundred percent healthy, but if he's not hundred percent healthy and he got run because of that, that's a bad job by the organization. And you know, they have to reassess you know what their priorities are and everything. But if let's just say Josh Allen's healthy and he's been, you know, not good this year why do i want that guy here and daniel jones or tyrod taylor or or uh you know anybody unless you're unless you are signaling i am absolutely taking a quarterback next year and i am starting over but still nothing told me with ken dorsey you know with working with a you know a, an above average quarterback that that guy is the man i, I just don't see it what would your reaction be if Chip Kelly were brought in? I'd kick him in the balls. All right. I hate kick Chip Kelly. That guy. <laughs> okay, guys, go to go to the Just Gators podcast for that one. I'll tell you my true feelings of what that son of a bitch did to us. I I know the inside story of what happened. And fuck yeah. him. All right. I am actually interested in that. Um. So. For, for I, I mean, Patreon, I don't, I don't, I don't think Patreon that's. Guests, you, you can listen to that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't think that one's coming. I, I don't think Ken Dorsey's coming either. Um, Chip, Ke- are you serious about Chip Kelly? Was I seriously asking? Yeah, like, would he? Would, do you think he would come back to the to the league? Would he come back to? Um, I mean, I think that there's an outside chance that he would go somewhere in the NFL for one year to just buffer the time. Uh. But I think it's more – because I, I think that like right now he could get a job at, I don't know, Arkansas or something like that. Like that school – a lot of schools would all give him offers. But is he really going to take that or is he going to – you know, I don't know. It's very yeah. early. I mean like a lot can still happen. People can get fired. I, it's it's, I it's November. Diff- I guess there's a difference to me when you're, when you're hiring coordinators where a young guy like Kafker, like you hope – that he's successful and you get a couple of years out of him before you move on, as opposed to a guy like Chip Kelly, where you know he's looking for another job and he's going to take the first head coaching job he can. He's not going to. 100%. Want to. So to me. Well, I don't think he's going to take the first head coaching job he can. I think he's going to wait for an offer that's going to be good for him because I think he can get a head coaching job right now. Uh, it would just be somewhere that he probably doesn't want to go. So right. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not putting but that a job zero. Come pretty quickly. I mean, that's, if it doesn't happen in, you know, at next year it happens the year after. And also, that's, Chip Kelly's not young anymore either. Well, I, that's that's 100% what I was going to say. Uh, I don't think it's a 0% chance that he takes a one-year job somewhere to just prove his worth. And it's kind of easy to just be the coordinator for one year, uh, you know, by comparison to being a college head coach where you have to do all of the recruiting. And in Southern California, you got to recruit against USC. you got to recruit against every – SEC team and Texas teams, and even in the pack, you had to recruit against well, Washington and Oregon. I mean, it's now, not easy. Now, and now UCLA is going to the Big Ten next year. We has to go against Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn exactly. State. Exactly. So, I mean, like, it is a huge drop off in responsibility, in my opinion, to go from college head coach to NFL offensive coordinator. And he will I, be he will be sixty in two weeks. Next yeah, week. yeah. I'm just saying, I don't see it as a zero percent chance. I don't think it happens, but you know, it's worth discussing if it's not a zero percent chance. Yeah. But but really getting into the reality here of New York Giants football, coaches, etc. The ongoing conversation about Wink Martindale and Brian Dable's different reactions to Xavier McKinney's comments about defensive leaders not being heard. Um, Brian Dable was pretty quick to dismiss it. He's been pretty quick at the podium all year dealing with things. I think 
you know, I don't care about podium stuff, but I think he's done a good job of answering just enough and dismissing just enough to not create nonstop headlines. But in this situation, Wink Martindale all on his own brought it up a second time at a press conference. And, you know, it's just interesting that um, I saw that there was a comparison made because Wink Martindale apparently prides himself on keeping his composure on the sideline. Whereas Brian Dable is not afraid to get angry, let his wear his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, honestly, it's not just anger. It's not. It's been a bad year this year. Brian Dable is someone that wears his emotions on his sleeve. We've seen it since he came here. Um, and there's this narrative being pushed now that Wink Martindale keeps his composure on the side. Maybe he prides himself on it. I'm not saying he's a liar. But what I am saying is... Maybe he doesn't get frustrated, but he gets excited on the sideline just fine. We saw it in this year's preseason where um, – who the hell – Frank – where's Frank Reich? Who did we play where Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator? We played somebody in the preseason. doesn't matter. We stuffed them on fourth down, and the camera went to the sideline, and Wink Martindale was pumping his fist, and you could read his lips. He literally said, fuck you, Frank. Like – He gets emotional on the sideline. I don't want to hear this narrative that he has his composure. Maybe he doesn't get mad, but he definitely gets excited. And to me, I don't have a problem with an authoritative figure giving direction with emotion. I think it's kind of part of life. So I have never had a problem with coaches being animated on the sideline. My bigger problem with people like Jim Harbaugh who get animated with referees literally all game for his entire career. That's the only, and that just annoys me. But I, I don't know. What do you? What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Because to me, it seems like inaccurate, overblown, and nonsense. It's it's a one hundred percent non-issue. I haven't thought more than four seconds about it since any of it's been going on. I mean, first of all, what goes on during a game? You, none of us who listen to this show, none of us who you know at all are under the kind of pressure that these guys go through during a game. You might get stressed out during a game watching it. These guys are thinking about a hundred things at once. They are so, they are spending 80 to 90 hours a week preparing for a game. They are, they are basically like in an army barrack with these guys for seven months. They are closer with these teams and their fellow coaches and they are with their own families from, you know, August 1st until January 1st, emotions are going to run wild. And there are no, like, like snowflakes, there are no two people on this planet who are wired exactly the same. You know, Grump and I react differently. Sit by us by a game, you know, we don't care any differently. Grump has different reactions than I do in, in, in a game. You know, you listen to this show. We've had over, I don't know how many hundreds of shows we've had. We have different reactions. We have different styles. That's just that's called humanity. And you know, if Wink is a guy who's more verbose in a press conference than Dable is, so what? That's his style. That's his. That's him being real. I mean, nobody wants to what listen to press conferences when guys just you know we're on this we're on the Cleveland you know and milk toast answers. Um, I don't. I think the biggest waste of time also is, you know, a, a camera catching coaches speaking right before a half. You know, you don't know what they're saying. You don't know anything about that. And all of a sudden, the narratives run wild. Oh, they were in a, a heated argument before. Sorry, didn't know one word they said. You couldn't tell me that. But it's a great storyline to take and run with on, you know, on, on prime time where, you know, millions of people are watching it and a billion people are tweeting about it. And, so I, I think it's all silly. I, I think it all means nothing. Um, you know, the question's going to become is, you know, what is Brian Dable's relationship with Wink Martindale? And does, you know, does he want a tight ship or does he want these guys to express themselves more? Or, you know, does he want, I, I don't know. Um, the NFL is ultimately a game about results. And, you know, if this defense is bad and Brian Dable decides it's because of coaching, Wink Martindale will be gone. If Brian Dable thinks that coaching, that the defense is bad this year because of 
of you know injuries and trading some of your best players and a result of a really bad offense, and it's not the coach's fault, Wink will be back. It's as simple as that. So all this stuff, it, it it's great for paid six. It's great for TMZ, but I don't make anything of it. Yeah, I mean, it's something worth monitoring. I, I It's no secret how their personalities are different. Um, I think that that's pretty uh obvious uh, but i'm not i'm not super worried about it um i will continue to monitor it throughout the year like i mean like i don't want to say it's nothing like it it's probably nothing but it might not be and it's there are still eight more weeks of uh of this shit so if it continues to deteriorate we continue to see um public displays of you know um, what do I want to say? Like public displays of um, differences of opinion or, or elongating of issues or something like that, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep jotting it down. But as of right now, I, I don't have an issue. You know, like these stories where it's just like, oh, there's a meltdown on the sidelines with Darius Slayton getting heated and, and Sterling Shepard's trying to calm him down. This team's a mess. Look, I don't need the visual visualization of a two-win team. That is what that is. I am aware it's a mess. I don't need to see that. It's not more of a mess because that's happening. That's the kind of thing that happens when you only win two games. I'm not concerned about that. I'd be more worried if none of them cared. Yeah, I agree. I would be more worried if nobody cared. That that is very true. And do you have anything more on the coaches? No, I mean to me, like I said in the beginning, that you know I think this coaching staff. If you believe in this coaching staff when they were hired and after year one and you still think that they're building the right pieces going forward, they all come back next year. There's nothing, there's nothing to me that says this coaching staff has put us in this situation. They are, they can only coach the, the talent they have on the field. Brian Dable named Tommy DeVito to start this game, not Matt Barkley. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it has anything to do with liking one guy or the other. I think it's just, you know, it's the guy who's most comfortable right now with the offense. Do you want, do you want the guy who at least has been in the system since August, or do you want the guy who's been sitting on his couch? Who yeah, nobody, who nobody else in the league even thought of as a backup quarterback or a number three quarterback. So to me, you know, it's rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. I think it's legitimately the smart move to do right now. Um, I think Matt Barkley bringing him in is a smart idea to have a veteran backup available on game day should the worst happen. Uh, I think, personally, if you really want to have Tommy DeVito as an investment plan where you want to try to develop him to be even a backup quarterback, I think the offense we are trying to run right now is very safe and very small morsels of things that he's getting real-time experience. You know, we're not yeah. asking him to run a crazy offense. We're not asking him to run the entire uh, playbook. We're asking him to run a couple of things, get reps. They happen to be reps on Sunday afternoon, but still, you know, we're not asking him to go crazy out there. And to me, this will help Tommy DeVito if, you know, again, I've said this on shows before that to me, you know, having a guy that we're investing multiple years as if he's a backup is very low on my priority list. But the situation is here. And, you know, you may know right away, though, this guy definitely doesn't have what it takes and you just launch him and that's the end of it. But if you see some traits in the next seven or eight weeks that are like, yeah. I may want to kind of work with this a little while longer. You're never going to see that if he's sitting behind Matt fucking Barkley in a two-win season that's going nowhere. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Um, Matt Barkley also does not inject a whole lot of optimism in, into my veins either. Also, what are we trying to do? I mean, yeah, that, that actually- Again, that's my point. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be the let's play the kids guy, but right now the kid is the one who's up. You know, you got the, the starters down, the backup is down. You got the kid now. The veteran that's on your roster, he's brand new. He's dumber than a kid. I don't want to do that. And and he's just as good physically. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. Um, I definitely lose either. 
<laughs> Serious. The Giants right now have a number of people who practice limited, um, but I think that all of them are going to play. I'm going to name just a few. Deontay Banks has an ankle. Saquon Barkley still nursing the high ankle sprain. Cordell Flott has a shoulder thing. Um, Jalen Hyatt and Kayvon Thibodeau both had concussions, but they were limited, which means that they are progressing through the concussion protocol. That's why I think they will both play. Um, Aziz Ojolari, Wandale Robinson, Andrew Thomas, and Bobby Okereke all have like little dings. I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them doesn't play, but the likelihood is that they're probably all play. It's the two guys, Adoree Jackson and Evan Neal, who did not practice that I think are definitely out this week. I mean, I think if you are, if there's anything that could potentially be a longer term injury, you sit. If you feel like you think you can get out there and actually play, and it's just a pain tolerance thing, you play. I mean, we're not at week 17. We're at week, what are we, week 10? We have a lot. We have a lot to go still in this season. We're, we're in that worst-case scenario where you can't just phone – mail it in for the last you know, game or so. We're, we, we got – we have a season to play still, half a season almost. So, And you know what? Washington Washington's fresh off their, their close game but lost to Seattle. Um, they have also just traded away both defensive ends with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Um and I think for this game, if Tommy DeVito is starting, you lean on Saquon a little bit, but you have to throw off the play action. Tommy DeVito, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, none of these guys are going to have any success whatsoever if defenses are able to just play the run with 100% certainty or or the quick pass. You know what I mean? So when I look at this game, if you want to have an offense that moves the ball and you can actually assess what players can and can't do going forward, you need to simplify the game for Tommy DeVito. And this probably has already happened, but maybe it needs more simplification or just a different kind of simplification, but he needs to have like half the field to read with like a one or two read like a one or two key read that he can just make a decision because it's not his fault, but the worst thing, the worst characteristic he has is pocket movement and pocket presence. So when shit breaks down, his eyes are no longer downfield. They're right in front of him. So that means that things have to happen faster for him because you have to have the offense move faster so that – because the offensive line, it's going to break down on just about every play pretty quickly. So they've got to lean on Saquon, but they have to – they have to make quick decisions easier for Tommy DeVito to throw the ball. And I also think that they need to, per drive, one time at least, do a play-action deep shot just to get people away from the line of scrimmage. It's okay if somebody's double-covered and he overthrows and throws out of bounds. It's okay if he just misses somebody. All of that's fine. But to never throw downfield means that all 11 guys are going to play right at the line of scrimmage and nothing he does will work. That's kind of how I'm looking at the offense right now. Until I can see that he can actually complete passes against a real defense, not not just extreme garbage time, I have no confidence that he can move the ball. I, I just don't. Um, oh, I, I don't know if he can move the ball or not, but in order, yeah. I have to see him try. I need to see him fail at it to know that he can't. Right now, yeah, I'm seeing him I, not even look downfield anymore. I, I, I think that's something where I think... He, this coaching staff, it's kind of counterintuitive to the narrative going on right now is the coaching staff just has to be thick skinned enough to accept the fact that they have to they could potentially try and get completely blown out as opposed to what they're doing right now and still getting blown out. I mean, if they if they just want to be so protective of this offense of just the universe knows we're running every single play. We're going to get our asses kicked. You know, if you do try, you know, play off a of play action, have him on first down, maybe throw a little bit, do different things. It may backfire. It may be awful. It could be three picks. It could be, you know, second and 17, third and 19 all the time. But you just have to – you're right. You just have to try and just get over the fact that, you know, it's it could be potentially embarrassing. I. But because I, I, I am just very skeptical, I just, you know, I've seen some of the throws when he has time to throw and it's just, it's it's not NFL. Sorry. No, I mean, he's a, cre- he, he is, I at, can't. 
at best, he will become a backup. That is the best that he will be. I, I agree at with you. At some point. At some point. Right. Um, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, I have only one note here. And that is to with, with Adoree Jackson likely out. He has not practiced with a concussion yet as of Thursday. Tells me he's just done. Um, let Trey Hawkins or Cordell Flott play opposite Deontay Banks. Because listen to me. Unless he's really screwing up, this is definitely the time to let Trey Hawkins get live bullets. Adoree's out. 100%. Nick McLeod is a special teamer. Bobby McCain sucks. Darnay Holmes is not a fit for this defense or for the outside. Right now, Hawkins has shown enough potential that a late-round draft pick has earned starter reps in preseason and training camp is huge. It's not nothing. Um... That means that he has qualities that you can refine. And the way to refine them is by screwing up when the bullets matter. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is if you don't – and if he's making mistakes and you got to pull him out and it's just better to let him you know, collect himself and get mentally prepped, I still say put Cordell Flott out there. When I look at Cordell Flott, I see an outside corner. I don't see a slot corner. He's too tall. He's too long. He's too fast. And quite honestly, when his responsibilities are just play man, that's when he plays the best. It's when he has to think and jump into zone and switch coverages and stuff. That's when he makes mental mistakes. And you know what? Mentally, he may never adapt to the NFL game. But physically, he looks like he belongs on the outside. So put him on the goddamn outside, will you please? Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Those are my only points on the defense. Yeah. Um, this is kind of – you're allowed to have to play with live bullets now and you get kind of get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, if you do this – you know, if this was last year, you'd never get this opportunity for guys like him to play. And if they make a mistake, you know, he's buried on the depth chart. You've lost a year of experience. We have to make positives out of this situation. We can't just sit here and be like – Woe is me, boo hoo hoo, and just you know talk about the draft and everything. This coaching staff, you know, use these final eight weeks as you know evaluation of your talent, trying little things that you know let's use this next year. You know, think this is extended OTAs basically, and don't try to do little the shortcuts to try to gain meaningless wins, which we're not going to get anyway. Use this to our advantage. And again, that's where I talk about this coaching staff has to just have a thick skin. And if the results on the scoreboard are really ugly, but they've accomplished things they want to, great. You know, you can say what you want in a press conference and try to make it sound like it's something good. But, you know, they have to kind of just recalibrate what they're trying to do. And know that it's a multi-year window. You know, next this is what we're doing now is going to affect next year and the year after, and just do it. Um, you know, I don't care. If, I don't care if we lose by twenty or forty. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It. This is all about getting identifying who on this roster is a piece going forward, and getting those pieces reps and ready for next year when. Hopefully we have a quarterback that's back. We have a healthier offensive line. We have more pieces to, to, to strengthen this team. So that's my only thought about the defense. All right, man. Do you think the Giants can win this game? Give me your prediction. No. All right. I, don't th- I think they'll. I, I think they will. I will. I, again, I look at this as until I see differently. I see this team losing thirty-eight. Six. I, 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 I don't want to hear the stats that, that uh, Tommy DeVito has more touchdowns than Daniel Jones or, or, or anybody. I mean, everything he's doing, all his yardage, all of his scoring is all in extreme garbage time. Um, the question is going to be, do we get to extreme garbage time where we can actually, you know, move the ball and score? Um I think that quite possibly can happen against a team even like Washington. So I'm going to stick again to like a 38 to six type of score. And you're probably going to see that score the rest of the way out with me. We just simply don't have a functioning offense with a quarterback like that. That's a pretty tough prediction. I, I, I also think they lose this game. I do think that, you know, uh, a garbage time score of some kind helps make this look closer than it is. I think Washington stinks also. I mean, I, I do think that Sam Howell under the tutelage that he has, 
is not going to impress all that much. Um, I think that them trading away their two defensive ends lessens the blow, but I still think we lose twenty four thirteen. I don't think it's I don't think it's that close. So here's what I'm thinking, you know the offset of you know not having you know sweat and, and, and you know the lesser talent they have on defense is gonna be offset by the fact that maybe we, we try to open up this offense a little bit and like we were asking for, but the results are horrible and the results cause turnovers and it causes quick possessions, quick three and outs, terrible field position. Things like that, and I think it just you give Washington a lot of short fields and easy scoring chances. So it's not so much that their defense is so dominating or their offense is just rolling over our defense. I just think we make it very easy for them to score very quickly, and that's where it gets out of hand really quick. I I, I think you might be totally right there. Um, on the flip side, Dallas has a nice bye week. They're playing Carolina at Carolina. Um, that's a Dallas win, correct? Yeah, of course. Are you at all surprised that Young is not that good this year? I'll, I'll preface that with this year. I don't think any – I don't – see, now the narrative becomes, well, C.J. Stroud, why, why aren't we doing things when C.J. Stroud's doing this? C.J. Stroud is an extreme outlier. Rookie quarterbacks struggle. Rookie quarterbacks who are drafted – on bad teams struggle. So he gets all the pass in the world. Of course, I expect every rookie quarterback to struggle. And I am pleasantly surprised when any of them don't. Whoever the Giants draft next year, because we're probably not going to have that many additions to the offensive line to make things a lot better, will probably struggle next year. And that's okay. It's when you see something like uh, Zach Wilson, you're like, Ugh, this guy may never be good. That's when you worry. But guys who have all the talent in the world and were very successful in college, they'll be fine. They just have to they have to play and get experience and get the butterflies out. So I'm, I'm not surprised. Philadelphia is traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, America's team, I would say. <laughs> um, if America includes the female population, Kansas City is now America's team, right? Um, I, I guess so. <laughs> this is a Kansas City win. Although I believe Taylor Swift is an admitted Eagles fan. Not, I mean, I don't give a shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Taylor Swift will not be at the game because isn't she on tour in South America somewhere? So I don't that give a out. shit. I mean, it, you brought hey, you brought it up. I know, I know. Tiger, I don't care Tiger if she's there. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Um, uh, Kelsey versus Kelsey for this game. There you go. That's a little more. Beat writer. Only marginally more interesting, but yeah. um, whew, games in Kansas City. Um, yeah. Let's go Kansas City uh, in a classic. Close. Last I, minute win. Yeah, I'm going to say Kansas City in a high scoring game. Yeah, see that? That is pretty much going to do it for us. So we will be back on Tuesday morning with a rational, sober, and calm reaction to the Giants and Washington Commanders game. I don't think we'll have – I mean I'll be surprised if we have another blow-up episode like we did after Dallas. Will you be? I mean, it could be that bad. I won't. I won't make any promises. This game could be so bad that I actually do flip, blow a gasket. And like, we are not so lost as an organization that I am immune to blowing a gasket on things. I'll say I that. I am. I am. Really? I mean, like, th- there are there are stupid. Like, we're a bad team right now. We're a hurt bad team that's not performing. But we're not an off the field embarrassment yet. So, I mean, like like I said, like there are things that can still happen that may cause a blow up from me. But the on oh, yeah, the field but, but stuff for the most part. The that's not like, you know, like last week I wasn't upset so much. It was just like we are back here again. You know, and we were in a situation, you know, two years ago with the uh, the whole um, uh, quarterback sneak episode and all of that where it's like we are at one of the lowest points in this franchise history and two years later you know even though it may be kind of like a covid blip when things where it goes down really quick and goes back up again but we're there again and mm-hmm. that's what that was kind of like 
I don't like being a laughing stock. I don't like being a punchline. I don't like right. being completely not taken seriously by anybody. That's where it was. The game itself was just like, I knew this was going to happen. And you know something? We get our asses kicked on Sunday. I know it's going to happen. I'm but, not going to be. But listen, I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, uh, part of the reason is because we were playing Dallas. I mean, like. Uh, aside from them being like you said at the beginning of this like probably top three team in the nfc like they're just a bad matchup for us they are oh, yeah. very very good defense and we are a very bad offensive line it's a bad matchup i could have told you it would be bad now what i am gonna say is there is still an on the field product that can happen that will make me flip out and that is if we lose anything close to the 70 to nothing embarrassment that denver had against miami and and, and i know that miami is miami uh, yes, but see, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there is still the the possibility for a blow up episode, and if they if if I'm seeing players actively quit, and I don't mean one play here and there, I mean like an actual active quit from players, we'll have a blow up episode. I think. That, yeah, that's fair. Um, the thing also that I was mad about last week was I thought Dallas was running up the score, and I know that uh, Dak was out for the entire fourth quarter, but late in that third quarter, they were obviously trying to run up numbers. And that made me mad because it's one of those things where I'm going to remember this. And hopefully guys like Brian Dable will remember this. And that was that kind of raised my my anger more than anything that we were doing, because I know what we are. But when I see shit like that and, you know, they're just having a party and just doing their whatever they want and trying to, you know, that that always is going to anger me, especially against a rivalry like if. Florida State pulls that shit against us next Sunday. I'm going on the field. I'm kicking somebody's ass. So, I will tune into that game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I totally understand. I do get that. Um, and I, yeah, that that all makes sense. Um, that's gonna do it for us. We will be back on Tuesday morning on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube, uh, where you can see our beautiful shining faces. And uh, and YouTube YouTube is the home of the edited versions where any mistakes we make we edit out before you don't know they happened. That's actually that's only true in one instance, uh, <laughs> the most recent instance where I said something dumb because I was reading Twitter and wasn't looking at dates, um, and I didn't catch the mistake until after the audio version was already up. But I still had time before I edited the YouTube version, so that has happened once. But theoretically, you will get the best product on YouTube. That is correct. You get to see these pretty faces. And, and yeah, and all the dumb shit's edited right out for you. <laughs> so we will see you all next time. Until then, everyone, go Giants. Go Giants.